coming up on the Hobcast. I was screaming. I was yelling it out. And it was just me at one point in a sea full of people, just me saying, hands up, don't shoot. And the crowd just erupted in celebration. And I was like, whoa, I really have power. from that that is the voice of one of the most talented performers that i have come across uh here in provincetown and she's right across the table from me right now that would be miss kaya cristal welcome to the hobcast thank you so much for being here oh shucks thank you hi everybody well and and what brought you to provincetown in the first place how long have you been here Well, when I was 21, I had been doing drag for all of about maybe like five or six months. And then one of my now true sisters, true family members, Liza, introduced me to the Goldust Orphans. And I saw my first show, which I believe was Peter Pansy. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do with my life. I can sing, I can act, I can dance and do it all in drag. Like... Yes. And then after I did my first show with the Goldust Orphans, uh, which was Snow White and the Seven Bottoms, <laughs> <laughs> we brought that show to Provincetown. And that was my introduction to Provincetown. 21 years old, never really experienced much of gay life at all because I grew up in Missouri. I grew up in Illinois, so... So you know the struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Missouri is a little bit different these days than Illinois, but yes. Is it? Well, I mean, Missouri seems to be moving further t- into the red column, and Illinois is sort of staying as a blue state, but still, it's the Midwest. Yay, Missouri. You actually, you grew up in Cape Girardeau, right? I did, Which yes. is the hometown of Rush Limbaugh, I believe. Yes, right? it is. Yes, right. <laughs> I actually went to school with his niece and nephew. Wow, mm-hmm. okay. Wait, so when did you start singing then, along the way? Well, I was three and my mom (laughs) funny story uh this was back in texas when my parents lived in texas in dallas my mother was listening to the radio and she had the tv on and she turned the tv off and went to the kitchen to start cooking dinner and she said that she heard this other voice singing along with the radio she was like i know i turned the tv off so what what has happened and she walked back into the living room and there i was singing as if this isn't foreshadowing I'm Every Woman by Whitney Houston because it had just come out on the radio like 1993 or 94 or something like that I had no idea what the words were. I had no idea what any of it was, but I was just, 
I was just feeling Whitney on the radio and I was bopping along to it. And my mom was like, we need to get that boy to church. <laughs> well, now I have seen you sing I'm Every Woman now more than once. Mm -hmm. Does that bring you back to that moment when you, every time you do it? Yeah, it does. It brings me back and it sort of reinstills the love for music and what sort of first made me fall in love with music in the first place, which to me wasn't even so much the words as it was just the feeling of joy and and the power that, I mean, Whitney Houston, hello, she's the voice. But I was like, wow, this, I kind of, I don't know what this is, but I know that I want it. Hmm. And I know that I want to do it. And your mom said, let's get that boy into church. Mm -hmm. And then you started singing in a choir. Mm -hmm. And they put me in the children's choir first because I was three. And the choir director heard me and was like, oh no, he's going in the adult choir. So hmm. I, at three, was singing, again, I have no idea what these words are. I am literally just call and response. They would sing it to me, and I would repeat it back to them wow. verbatim, pitch perfect, and they were like, what? So it's all these like 30 and 40-year-olds, and then three-year-old me, like front and center, and I had no idea what that would mean at the time, but... Um, well, the crazy thing also about that is that I know a lot of kids who are not three, but like six, seven, eight years old and couldn't possibly even speak the words as they're supposed to be spoken. Right. But I just... But you could. I was like a parrot, I guess you could say, because they know that I didn't know the word. I didn't even know English. I mean, I was three, So, but they would just say it and then I would say it back and then they would sing it and then I would sing it back and then... Because of the choir, it's where I learned all of my like improv and all of my ability to think on my feet because for the first several years, that's kind of what I, that's all I did. You know, every Sunday was you go to church, you sing every Sunday, and then Saturday you would go to whatever church event was happening for like a praise and worship or a evangelist event. And then, you know, Wednesday was choir practice and that just was sort of like going to school for me, basically. It was like Sunday school, church. Saturday night performance, Wednesday night choir rehearsal. And I never questioned it because I knew it was the right thing because that's what I was told. And, you know, they were like, you're serving God and you're honoring God. And I was like, well, that's good. That's great. So wait, uh -huh. how do you make the transition then from, from that, from serving and honoring God, uh, from singing in a church choir to drag? Well... <laughs> <laughs> It, well, oh God, how much time do you have? I mean, that's kind of my whole life story. Now that I think about it, it's how to incorporate the spirituality of God and my belief that I hold firmly to and the higher powers that be and living as a good person with being gay and doing drag and performing at nightclubs. And I mean, all these things that I was told growing up were a sin. And you know, you're going to hell if you if you do this. And I think I realized once I got to Provincetown that religion is good for what it is. It's the belief that there is a higher power I do have a calling. I am created to do something great in this world. And I, through the power of who I call God, can make a difference in people's lives through the gift that is music.
How did your family react? Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, well, once I got into junior high, high school, I started taking musical theater seriously. I have been in musical theater since I was in kindergarten when I did uh, Santa Claus Got Abducted by Aliens, where I was Santa Claus. And uh, imagine <laughs> that, young little black boy playing Santa Claus. Hmm. But I could sing. I could sing. So that was my golden ticket. And they loved it. And it got me out of a lot of scrapes. But then I started, you know, singing at like basketball games and football games. And then I started singing at the college games. And I started doing the national anthem at mm. the state fair. And then, the, well, the, the county fair. And then the state fair. And then as I worked my way through school and discovered things outside of just gospel music i started to branch off and gospel is always at the core of everything that i do like it's my soul it's my heart it's what i started doing by incorporating that into like my musical theater and my secular songs i'm still able to have that spiritual connection with people but do things that aren't necessarily just straight gospel music mm-hmm Although you were in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. You were Joseph. Yes. Which was a scandal. It was a scandal. Why? Because as much as my hometown um, likes to think that they are progressive and liberal, and I didn't know at the time, but there was someone else that was competing for the same role. And I knew it. Like, I knew him. And I knew that we would be competing for the same role. But it came down to who could sing it better. And I mean, who could act it better was like, yeah, but like, who could sing it better? And so we both auditioned in front of the whole auditorium and everything. And they were like, who wants to go first? And I was like, I don't care. But the other guy went first. And then I went second. And I, no shade, but I I blew that song out of the water. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was close every door. And granted, I, I couldn't really hit the lower notes. But when it got to that end, I was, I was in the stratosphere and everyone was like, standing ovation like clapping like obviously but then i got cast and all of a sudden people were like well i'm not going i'm not going to see it nope that is a biblical story and it deserves to be told the correct way and my director was like what do you mean the correct way and the parents were like you know with the dusty mouth because they didn't want to say we want this white boy to play joseph because that's what we grew up with mm. instead of this black boy who should be the one who sings benjamin calypso oh no not he and i'm like oh really wow that's crazy but i still did the role and i still killed it so see the thing is though i feel like you couldn't possibly do that the other way around either you're not going to have a white person uh sing old man river in um showboat well i guess not <laughs> i guess not but I, <laughs> or you have those like random like connecticut productions of hairspray and i'm like girl girl come on now come on now or like some new hampshire production of dream girls it's like ugh. <laughs> oh. I was actually I was oh. in I was in a lot of theater when I was in high school and uh they did a production of 12 Angry Men which they changed to 12 Angry Jurors we so did that, that they too. could put women mm -hmm. in the cast. Mm -hmm. And you know there is there is something to be said for like colorblind casting or gender gender neutral casting. I personally am for it given the right situation. You know there are some shows that are 
like the whole point of hairspray is race relations in America right. and how the music that was created by black people was then stolen and put on TV by white people and and then you know the whole ending is coming together and the power of music bringing people together so that black people and white people and asian people and hispanic people and all kinds of people can just do what they love and not have to deal with racism okay well since you brought it up let's talk about race and gender then Mm -hmm. um so i read that you now identify as gender non-conforming and are comfortable with any pronoun yes tell me about that it's been a still a journey, but I realized after again after being in Provincetown, you, there's as liberal as this place is, there is still sort of a want to put a label to certain things. Like and out of in Provincetown, it's more out of curiosity than just like I need to know if you're a man or a woman. It's like so, how do you identify? And I realized after enough times that I identify as both neither Hmm. i identify as just me and if i had to put a label on it i would say non-conforming or non-binary because i will walk down the street in sweats and chucks and a ball cap just as easily as i'll walk down the street in an evening gown and to me it doesn't make a difference if it's daytime if it's nighttime or what have you i just am me so what do you make of the debate that's going on in this country about this right now, about gender? It seems like it's it's hard for people to wrap their heads around the changes that are happening in how people identify and in the kinds of changes that have to be made in order to accommodate that. Well, it is happening at breakneck speed, especially with the invention of Twitter and Instagram. And now we have TikTok and I mean, we had Snapchat and Vine and you name it, they have it. And the more social we become, the more, I guess, free people feel to say, you know, I don't just like women. Maybe every now and again, I want to fool around with a man and I don't think that that should be a problem it shouldn't be a crime or yeah I like men but who knows maybe one day I'll find a nice woman and fall in love with her and get married and I but above all of that I think it's just nothing is certain but I mean that is a that's a a sexual attraction issue yeah what about the gender side oh the actual identity one identifies exactly I oof that's a that's a that's a sixty four thousand dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> that is way too old of a reference for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that show, TV Land. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I, know. I know. I've I've seen like every episode of I like I Love Lucy. Oh yeah, and Match uh, Game, Patty Duke, and Donna Reed, and all the Mr. Ed, Hollywood from Squares. Nick at Night. Yeah, right. right. Oh boy! We didn't even have TV Land in the beginning. Back in the eighties, there was just Nick at Night. Why <laughs> TV Land came later? It was current. I mean, it was still happening. Uh, but getting back to identity, I think that if someone wants to say I am a man, call me a man. That should just be that. I am a woman. Call me a woman. That should be it. I am non-binary. I am non-binary. That should be it. Yeah, I, you know, I I will say like it's a very different thing, but in the last many months is the first time in my adult life when I have not had like a full-time, you know, nine to five 
or or whatever job. Mm. And what I'm realizing in this period is how obsessed Americans in particular are with like, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You have to have this job and you've got to have a 401k and you've got to have all these things and you, and you work this amount of time. And then at a certain point you retire and that's that. And it's like, not necessarily doesn't have to be that way but I, I mean it, it what you're saying reminds me of that because it's like we do try to put everything into a little box mm-hmm. and especially nowadays because we have the ability especially gen z has the ability to have a full career recording videos <laughs> and TikTok. posting them online <laughs> right, right. like right. you the 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 standard of living of having to go to college, get a degree, get a job, find a wife, have 2.5 kids and a dog and a white picket (laughs) fence is so archaic. If you want to go do that, go ahead, but you don't have to. And I think that spreads into the identity thing too, because you don't have to be a heterosexual person. You don't have to be a man. You don't have to be a woman. You can live in between it's possible to do and there are people that are doing it all the time they weren't as visible as they are now because we didn't have the technology that we do now but now that we do we can see it we can see it on tv we can see it in movies and we're not just the sassy gay friend anymore we now have complicated stories and lives and i don't know if you've watched pose recently but oh my goodness that is the closest thing I think I've seen to gay reality than anything I've ever seen before. Why do you say that? Because it's not afraid to deal with the fact that in the 80s, nurses were leaving people's food outside of their hospital room because they were too scared to go in. Because they didn't want to get AIDS. Because they didn't want to get AIDS. But there were friends that would pick up that tray and go into that hospital room and tell them that they looked beautiful and that they were loved. Mm -hmm. And I have not seen a TV show go that far and that hard into the reality of what it was like living that life, especially in the ballroom scene. Just... Good job, Brian Murphy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Good job. Um, I want to ask you about this because for the people who have not, who who are listening to this, who don't spend or haven't spent any time in Provincetown, it's a really wonderful place, as you may have heard on episodes one, two, and three of the Hobcast, but also it's pretty white. Yeah. Uh, what, What is it like for you as a black performer in this town? to be here and and how is the how is you know there's been so much happening on the race front in the last year and a half mm-hmm. what's that what's that how have you experienced that i <clears throat> have realized that i have a much bigger platform than i let myself believe i have a voice and i have a power inside of me that i honestly up until this year was too scared to really let fly and I was scared to walk in my power and walk in my truth because I wanted to as much as I hate to say this I wanted to fit in I wanted to be liked I wanted to be that amicable person that everybody gets along with and doesn't make any waves and doesn't cause any problems and just goes along with the flow. 
But I realized, especially over 2020 with the George Floyd movement that is on top of all of the other movements that have been happening, that it was a moment where I was like, okay, you know what? This is my, can I curse on here? Sure. Fuck it. This is my time. (laughs) This is my time. And I went to Boston last year and I marched with the huge, huge march. And I, out of nowhere, just found myself being like, no justice, no peace. You know, say their names. And there was a point where we were marching past all the cops. And I was like, I mean, I was, I was so screaming i was yelling it out and it was just me at one point in a sea full of people just me saying hands up don't shoot and at the very end i'm like i love you guys and the crowd just erupted in celebration and i was like whoa i really have power oh my gosh well and do you feel like any of the things that that movement has wanted to accomplish have actually come to be, or is this going to be a long, long game? It's going to be a long game. We have made strides, but we are nowhere near where we ought to be. But those marches happened all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just because people were off work. It wasn't just because, you know, we were in lockdown and we were tired of being in lockdown. No, we could actually have the time to organize, make those Facebook groups, make those email chains and have the time off from work to go and sit down with these signs and say, we're not going to take it anymore you know the interesting thing is also that if indeed the strides are made that so many people want to be made this will be a movement and by the way the sort of more acceptance of people's gender identities could be a movement that started in the united states Mm -hmm. and spread around the world Mm -hmm. very well could be and you know i guess there are some people that are saying that you know that gay rights are like tagging on to Black Lives Matter or that um, gender rights are tagging on to Black Lives Matter. And it's like, they're not tagging on. Those of us that are in the LGBTQIA plus spectrum also experience discrimination. We also experience uh, insensitivity and, and oppression. It happens. But that's not to say that they're trying to take away from the Black Lives Matter movement. It's just now... I feel like there's a a solid group of people that are made up of all of these different communities that feel some in some way oppressed. And we have to keep fighting the good fight. We have to keep going and we have to keep making sure that people remember that black lives still matter. Gay lives still matter. And our identities are all are who we are. So yeah, we're going to fight for them. Of course. Well, before I let you go, mm-hmm. you going to sing anything? Sure. Well, this is the first song that I ever sang in church at three years old. <laughs> it's a little lower than it was 28 years ago, but, um, <clears throat> why should I feel discouraged and why should the shadows 
fall Why should my heart feel lonely And long for heaven and home When Jesus is my portion A constant friend is he His eye is on the sparrow And I know he watches me I have goosebumps. <laughs> Kaya, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that will do it for episode five of the Hobcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you will go and share it and tell your friends about it and let everybody know about the Hobcast. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Jeremy Hobson. You can find Kaya on Instagram. And if you are in Provincetown, you should absolutely go and see her live because she is spectacular. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again to John J. Richardson and Andrew Haig for production and engineering help. And we will be back next week with another episode of The Hobcast. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.